Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to talk to you tonight about thinking the thoughts of God. So often we have this, you know, his, his thoughts are mysterious and who knows what God's going to do. But that is not really what the Bible teaches. So I want to start in Proverbs 23 with verse 7, which says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your thoughts are important because as you think, that's the way you're going to move. In fact, people always move towards their dominant thought. The things that the thoughts that are dominating you, you're going to move in that direction. So the Bible tells us to keep our heart with all diligence because out of your heart flow the issues of your life. So you've got to keep the right thoughts on the inside. Uh, there's an awful lot of talk today about spiritual warfare, and some people are doing really funny stuff. But spiritual warfare is a real reality. But the way that it's often presented can be kind of strange. But in 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 4, it says, The weapons of our warfare. So as a Christian, the moment you receive Jesus, you are put in the middle of a war. It's in Ecclesiastes in 8, and it says, and there is no release from that war. In other words, you, you cannot say to, to the devil, hey, you just leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. Because he will not. That's right. You might try to leave him alone, but he is not going to leave you alone. Peter said, your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we're in this war and our weapons are not carnal. They're not natural. You can't give the devil a black eye. You can't shoot him with a 37 mag or whatever, 357 mag. They're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, you may not have thought of this, but if you have wrong thoughts, they are a stronghold in your mind. And they keep you from the blessing of God, from the purpose of God in your life. So it says, casting down arguments, every high thing or every thought that, it, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So really, spiritual warfare has to do with your thoughts. The enemy is trying to penetrate your thoughts with friends, family, culture, peer pressure to do things a certain way, to think a certain way. But what we have to do is every thought that disagrees with the word of God, we need to bring it into captivity. We need to reject it. Almost 500 years, well, it is 500 years ago now. Martin Luther said it like this. He said, you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from making a nest in your hair. Every person no matter how much they love God, no matter how holy they walk before the Lord, is going to have crazy thoughts at times. Everybody is going to have crazy thoughts. Now, it is not wrong to have that thought into your mind, but it is wrong to meditate on that thought, right? to let that thought build a nest in your mind. Now, in James 1, it actually says this. It's talking about asking in faith. It says, without doubt, because he who doubts 
He's like a wave driven by the sea, tossed to and fro. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything of the Lord, for the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we need to be sticking with God's thoughts. We can't have a thought going this way and then a thought going that way. The double-minded person who really is not established in what they believe in their thoughts, that person, the Bible says, they are unstable in all their ways, and that person will not receive anything from the Lord. So Isaiah 55, um, when I became the lead pastor here 36 years ago, it was 36 years in January, the first series that I taught was out of Isaiah 55, thinking the thoughts of God. Verse 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, you can be far from God just by thinking wrong. Now, notice the wicked needs to forsake his ways. We tend to think, well, if if I'm not doing something wrong, uh, I, I must be in pretty good place. But the Bible says that if you are just away from God in your thoughts, that we're in trouble. And said, let him return to the Lord, for he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. As the children of Israel are are coming out of Egypt, it's really interesting that God showed the children of Israel a lot of things. It says this, it says, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel saw the things that he did, but they really didn't understand God's ways. And what God wants us to not just understand his thoughts, but he wants us to understand his ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and your thought, my, my thoughts than your thoughts. So the unrighteous man needs to, the Bible says, move away from his thoughts. He needs to get God's thoughts. And God says his thoughts are so much higher and his ways are so much higher. He says it's like the heavens are higher than the earth. Not very long ago, I was, I was doing some reading about where scientists are today. And they actually estimate that there may be as many stars in the heavens as there are sands in all of the beaches and all of the deserts in the world. And some of these stars are so far away. They are billions and trillions of light years away. So let's just say a billion light years away. So if we got in a car and went 186,000 miles a second, about seven times, seven and a half times around the world every second. And we traveled for a billion years. A billion years, we wouldn't even be getting there yet. And God says, that's how much higher my thoughts are than your thoughts. So you may think, man, it's just a thought. But you may be missing God by a hundred million or a billion light years. And you think, well, it's nothing, it's nothing. But it is huge. The wicked forsakes his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and don't return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. 
Now, God says, just like rain comes down and it accomplishes something, it makes the earth bring forth in bud. He said, that's what my word is like. He said, and it will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So it is God's word that can change the way that we think. In fact, the real truth is the main purpose of the Bible is to change the way we think. That's the purpose. Romans 12, verse 2. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Let God change the way you think. He wants to affect every, he wants to affect the way we think about our spouse, about our kids, about our money, about our time, about every single area of our life. God wants us to think like he thinks. And if we let him change the way we think, it says, then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to God. Other translations say that you may know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When your mind is renewed, when you have changed the way you think was God's word, you do not wonder what's God's will because you will know what God's will is. And how do we know? Because God's word is his, it's his will. God's word is his will. And he says that, that word, it goes forth. He said, it's powerful. It's not going to come back void. It's going to accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing to which I send it. So our culture, family, peer pressure, friends, all sorts of things are trying to tell us. Give us, this is how, what you should think. This should be your, your, your thought about morality. This should be your thought about your time and entertainment. This should be your thought about money. This should be your thought about marriage. This should be your thought about raising children. But no matter what it is, God has thoughts. David said it like this in Psalms 119, verse 128. He said, I consider your precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. So what David basically said is this, God, when you talk about money, you're right. When you talk about marriage, you're right. When you talk about forgiveness, you're right. When you talk about sex, you're right. In fact, God, you're just right about everything. And when you and I disagree with God, he's not changing. David said, I hate every false way. You know, every way that disagrees with God. So we need to change the way we think. And the Bible is given to us for that purpose. That's often referred to as renewing your mind. In fact, in the King James Bible, that's how it's stated there. It's the same exact principle, but it's talked about differently in the book of James. It's they, the, the wording that's used there is the saving of your soul. The renewing of your mind, changing the way you think, and the saving of your soul are two ways to say the exact same thing. Now, when, when somebody receives Jesus, we say, oh, their soul got saved. But they're really, their soul didn't get saved. Their spirit got saved. Right. And their soul, their mind, is going to go through a process of being saved. So James 1, verse 21 says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And now, he's talking to Christians. And he says, the Bible is able to save your soul. The salvation of your soul, the renewing of your mind, they're the same thing. 
And basically what it means, you need to change the way that you think so that you don't think the way the world thinks. We need to think the way God thinks. Now here, it uses an, an agricultural term. It says that you receive with meekness the engrafted word. So you're reading the Bible and you find something in the Bible that disagrees with what you've been doing and what you've been believing and what you've been thinking. So what you need to do is you need to be meek, you need to be humble, and you need to say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. And then it says you need to engraft the word of God. Now, a horticulturist will go out to a tree and if they want to engraft a new branch into that tree, they first cut that tree, they cut something out and then they place the new in and they very carefully wrap it. That's how they engraft. Now, to engraft something new, you have to get rid of something old. Our old thoughts need to go. And we need to very carefully put God's thoughts in. And we need to make sure that they take. That's what the horticulturist does. So I want to give you a couple examples tonight. Second Kings chapter five. Now, Naaman, the captain of the host of Syria, was a great man with his master. He was honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. And he was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, would God, the Lord my God, he was with the prophet that's in Israel or in Samaria. For he, the prophet, would heal him of his leprosy. So the little servant girl says that to Naaman's wife and Naaman tells her husband and Naaman's husband, Naaman, excuse me, goes to the king of Assyria and says, look, there's a prophet in Israel and he can heal me. So the king gives him an enormous 6,000 pieces of gold, about a hundred pounds of silver, a bunch of clothes and says, go. Now no, notice the first thing that, that Naaman thinks is that he's going to buy a healing. How many of you realize that's bad thinking? But he thinks he's going to go and he's going to buy his healing. And interestingly enough, the first place that he goes is he goes to the king of Israel, who does not have a clue and really is not even worshiping God, is worshiping Baal more than he's worshiping anything else. So, so not only did he think he was going to buy his healing, but he went to the wrong place. He was politically minded and he thought, well, that must be where the, the salvation is going to be. But eventually he ends up at the prophet's house and uh, he came with his horses and his chariots and he stood at the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger under him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will come again to thee and you will be clean. So he says, all you need to do, just go down the Jordan River over here dip seven times. And when you do, you're going to be healed. But Naaman was furious. He's wroth. And he went away and he said, I thought. Everybody say, I thought. Do you know your thoughts can get you in big trouble? I thought surely he would come out and he would stand next to me and he would call on the name of his God and he would strave, wave or strike his hand over the place and I would recover of my leprosy. How many of you ever thought you knew how exactly how God was going to do something? 
Surely you thought, but surely you were wrong. But he had this in his mind. This is how God's going to do it. And then he says, well, look, you know, are not the Abana and the Parpars, the rivers of Damascus, much better or cleaner than the waters of Israel? Right? And he's trying to figure out, well, why do I have to do it there? Why can't I just do it someplace else? And how many of you have been to the Jordan River? It is, yeah, not too clean. Not at all. In fact, I say we were baptizing people a while back and there's this baptismal area and you could see these catfish. I mean, like somebody's getting baptized like six feet away. There's these catfish about this big. They're just watching the whole baptismal service. Big old fish. But it is dirty water. He said, why can't I wash in them and be clean? And he turned and he went away in rage. Why? Because of his thought. And his servants came to him and said, hey, father, if, if the prophet had asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it. Why don't you just go ahead and do this easy thing and see what happens? So he goes down, he dips seven times, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child. And he was healed. But for him to receive his healing, he had to forsake his thought. And he had to receive God's thought. And when he did, he received his healing. In fact, it's interesting. He goes back and he still tries to pay for his healing. And the prophet says, no, 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 not going to do that. You know, one wrong thought about healing can keep you from being healed. One wrong thought about deliverance can keep you from being delivered. One wrong thought about salvation can keep you from being saved. And I know that's true. Now, I was brought up in church. We went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night. Went to catechism during the week. And uh, the church that I was in, we, we uh, be believed that before God created the world, he decided who was going to be saved and who wasn't going to be saved. We called that kind of like predestination. God had lined everybody up and went duck, 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 goose. You know, you're saved, you're saved, you're not, you're saved, you're saved. And if you're supposed to get saved, you're just going to get saved. You say, I don't want to, tough, you're going to get saved. But if you want to and you're not supposed to, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to be saved. So I'm 10 years old. I'm, uh, I'm laying in my bed. And I said, God, I just want to be saved. I just want to serve you. I just want to love you. Uh, uh, Lord, save me, save me. I didn't know what to do. I'd never, I had never in my life seen an, an invitation to be saved. Never seen anyone pray the sinner's prayer. I didn't know anything. So I'm laying there and, and nothing happened. I waited probably half hour. And I thought, I'm one of those people that aren't supposed to be saved. God doesn't want me. I'm going to hell. Well, I may as well go for something. If I'm going to hell, I may as well deserve it. And for 10 years, I literally thought I cannot get saved. I'm not supposed to get saved. God doesn't want me to be saved. I'm supposed to go to hell. After 10 years, for the first time, I'm in a little church service. A friend had asked me to go, otherwise I wouldn't have went. And afterwards, somebody came up and said to me, they said, did you enjoy the service? And I said, oh yeah, it was great. They said, what did you like? They said, well, I think I like the music. And, uh, and uh, they just kept on asking me questions. And, and finally they said, uh, would, would, you, would you like to be right with God? And I always thought, well, what idiot wouldn't? That's literally what I thought. Who wouldn't want to be right with God? 
Who wouldn't want to be forgiven? And I said, well, sure, everybody would. You know, but in my mind, I'm thinking, no, you can't. And he opened his Bible to Romans 10, 13, which says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then read Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he said, you want to do that? And I mean, it was like a light bulb. When I mean, he said, like, you can be saved right now. You can be forgiven right now. You can be right with God right now. And I said, yes. I mean, boom, we got down on our knees, prayed that prayer. 20, 40, 46 years have come and gone. And that prayer is still working. Still working today. I got saved that night. But you know what? I had one wrong thought that kept me from being right with God. One wrong thought can keep you from being saved. Jeannie and I were missionaries in Mexico for several years. And I've told part of this story to you before. Uh, a friend asked me to go up in the mountains to preach to some mountain men and some indigenous people up there. And we end up riding some mules for 12 hours. We are 12 hours from the end of the nearest dirt road. And we get up to this village and, and, and literally we are going up the mountain, down the mountain, cross the river, up the mountain, down the mountain, cross the river, up the mountain, down the mountain, cross the river. And we finally get to this village. It is at the end of the earth. I mean, like a hundred yards later, it's the end of the planet, right? There, we are way out in the middle of nowhere. So we're doing church services, but when we're not in church, they're taking us from hut to hut to pray for people. And again, these are, it's a dirt floor. There are stick walls, no mud. You can just see through the walls and thatched roof. And, and uh, there's this man who's on a bed in a house and he, hasn't, he had been in, in bed for, for months. And they took us over to pray for him. And uh, we said, you know, we, we, we've come to pray for you. And he says, oh, he says, don't pray for me. He said, I have Paul's thorn. And I thought, how did it get here? <laughs> I really did. I'm like, did it ride the mule and go up and down the mountain and cross the river? How in the world did Paul's thorn get here? And uh, in case you're wondering, what, what is that? Well, it says in 2 Corinthians 12. Says Paul said to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelation. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me or to buffet me. Now, now he's saying, well, I've got that thorn that Paul had. And uh, so we said to him, um, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. I said, uh, first of all, uh, the Bible says here that it is a messenger of Satan. The Greek word is the word anhelos. It's only used 188 times in the Bible. 181 times it's translated angel. Seven times it's translated messenger. It's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 25, where it says, and you who are cursed go into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels angels. I said, uh, you're saying that you have a demon that's bothering you. And, and he said, well, uh, I, I guess so. And I said, the purpose of that demon all right, was to buffet him, to buffet him. And it literally means blow after blow after blow. It's the same word that's used in Acts 27, where the ship is caught in a sandbar 
and the waves are coming and they're hitting it again and again and again. He said, I, I thought it was a sickness. And I said, no, 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 no. It was not a sickness. Paul's thorn was not a sickness. You want to know what it was? Just look at his life. In uh, Acts 9, they try to kill him. Again, in Acts 9, he's hindered from joining the Christians. Acts 13, he's opposed by Satan. Again, he's opposed by the Jews. In Acts 13, he's expelled from Antioch. In Acts 14, he's expelled and mobbed in Iconium. In Acts 14, he's stoned and left for dead. In Acts 19, he has problems with false brethren. In Acts 16, he's beaten and put in jail. In Acts 17, he's mobbed and expelled from Berea. In Acts 18, he's mobbed at Corinth. At Acts 19, he's mobbed in Ephesus. In Acts 20, there's a plot against his life by the Jews. And he said it like this. He said, I am in labors more abundant, in stripes beyond measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often five times. Of the Jews, I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and, deep, a night and day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in cities, perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, perils among false brethrenness, and weariness and toils, and sleeplessness often, and cold and thirst and hunger, and fasting often, and cold and nakedness. How many of you know he had problems? Every place he went, there was opposition. It was demonic opposition. The Bible literally says that it was an angelos of Satan. It was an angel of Satan. And it came, by the way, because of the abundance of his revelation. By the way, this guy couldn't read. He didn't have a lot of revelation. He'd never read the New Testament. And by the way, Paul went to heaven, saw Jesus, came back and wrote half of the New Testament. And the devil was trying to keep him from being effective in church planting. So we, we talked to him about that, that uh, that thorn. I remember we prayed for him and uh, we didn't see any immediate change, but he had been in bed for months. But before we left, he was up and walking. And what he found was, I don't have Paul's thorn. And by the way, anybody who says they've got Paul's thorn, you, you need to ultimately, you need to get delivered because the book of Acts ends like this. Preaching to them of the kingdom of God, about the Lord Jesus, with openness and boldness, unhindered and unrestrained. Paul was unhindered and unrestrained. Eventually, he got free from that, that uh, opposing spirit that came to keep him from being effective. Our, our thoughts can keep us from being saved. Our thoughts can keep us from being delivered. They can keep us from having peace. They can keep us from provision. They can keep us from healing. They can keep us from the favor of God. In Acts chapter 11, verse 14, Paul is actually recounting what happened at Cornelius' house. An angel appeared to Cornelius and said, send men and go bring Peter, who's staying in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And here's what he said, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. He will tell you what? Say it out loud. Words. He will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. See, there's this, there, there are words that if you hear them and you believe them and you confess them, you will be saved. There's words that bring salvation. There's words that bring peace. 
There's words that bring favor. There's words that bring breakthrough. And we have got to find what God says about a situation and think God's thoughts. And when we receive those thoughts, there's salvation, there's breakthrough, there's peace, there's provision, there's favor. When we get God's thoughts on those subjects. Now, just in closing, if uh, you order a book and that book comes and you open up that book and you start reading that book, you are reading the thoughts of the person that wrote that book. But when you read the Bible, you are not reading the thoughts of Peter, James and John, Moses and David and Isaiah or Jeremiah. When you read the Bible, you're reading the thoughts of God. And God wants to change the way we think. So it says in Acts chapter 20, it says, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. God's word is able to build you up, to make you strong spiritually, able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. I want to encourage you, get in the habit every day. Get in the word of God. Let God's word cleanse you and change the way that you think. Some of you say, well, you know, I just don't like to read. Well, get the New Testament on your phone. Listen to it while you're having breakfast. Listen to it while you're driving your car. But get the word of God on the inside of you. It will build you up. And it will give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. All right, would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.